to Easter with heavy hearts, a spring day that finds us separated from others, a day that we will gather together in isolation, but we remember Jesus was isolated. He was separated as he bore the world's sorrows and sins, and then Jesus rose. He rose so that we could find hope. He rose so that we could find healing. He rose so that we could have eternal life. Jesus rose, and so will we. He rose, and so will we. To a world consumed with disappointment, despair, and fear. 
We take this message of hope, healing, and life. We are the messengers of the good news that Jesus Christ has risen. And we will rise with him. Amen.
Let's join together for our call to worship. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Darkness has been vanquished. The brilliant light of hope has come. Come, let us worship and celebrate the good news. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Amen.
reading from Mark's account of the resurrection story. Hear now God's word for you this morning. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen, for he is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So ancient Jewish scholars used to refer to the scriptures as a prism. And what they meant by that is like a prism when you would hold it up to the light and every time you'd move the prism, it would reflect, refract the light differently, showing new colors coming through. And when they referred to scripture being similar to a prism, it's that in the same concept, every time you read scripture and you read it from a different lens, sometimes the story will change and you see something different that you hadn't noticed before. That happened to me this past week, reading all the different resurrection stories in preparation for this morning, and I was struck by this particular account in Mark's gospel with the women. The women who were on their way to the tomb that morning, the women who asked one another, who is going to roll away the stone? And I never noticed that before until this past week reading it. And it struck me how apropos that is to this time that we find ourselves in. Who is going to roll away the stone? Because we all have stones in our lives. We all have barriers that are in the way of us experiencing resurrection and new life. And I know we've been saying this over and over again, but it's hard not to talk about just because of the situation with the pandemic and the situation of all of our lives that each and every one of us find ourselves in. But we have all experienced something adverse and we are all facing unique challenges these days. And these days I would suggest that the stones that are in our way of resurrection are stones of job loss, stones of financial insecurity, stones of isolation, stones of fear, stones of terminal diagnoses, stones of uncertainty, stones of uncertainty for our own health and for our health and well-being of our family and friends. These are all stones that we are facing, stones that are getting in the way of new life and resurrection. But then on the flip side, 
even if we weren't in the midst of a pandemic, even if we weren't in the midst of the way life is right now, these would still be stones that are in the way of us experiencing resurrection and who is going to move those stones. But of course we know, because we read it in scripture, God has gone before us. God went before the women and God is the one who moves stones. God is the one who removes barriers. God breaks into the darkness. God is the one who will make the way for resurrection. Who is going to move the stone? There's a great song that's out there, uh, out on Christian radio, and I've been hearing it a lot lately, and it's really been kind of resonating in my soul. And the song is called, This is the Move, and here are some of the lyrics. It says this, mountains are still being moved. Strongholds are still being loosed. God, we believe, yes, we can see it, that wonders are still what you do. And bodies are still being raised. Giants are still being slayed. God, we believe it. Yes, we can see it. That wonders are still what you do. So come and do what you do. I believe all of us are crying out for that right now. God, come and do what you do. Because we have faith that you can move stones. Remember, God always does his best work in the dark. Something magical had to happen in the darkness of the tomb before God could roll away the stone. And once he did what he had to do in that dark place, he is the one that removed the stone. God is working on our behalf in the midst of this darkness that we are all experiencing and he will be the one to ultimately remove the stone. So my friends, on this day of resurrection, on this day of Easter that is unlike any other Easter that has gone before, take heart knowing that God rolled away the stone. Trust that in the fullness of time, when God's plans have come to completion, trust he will be the one to create new life in the dark. Trust that he will be the one to break barriers. Trust that he will be the one to make way for resurrection. He will be the one to remove the stone. Alleluia. Amen. Would you please join us in the litany of Easter celebration and affirmation? Our story is a resurrection story. Christ has risen. Christ has risen indeed. We come wanting to celebrate an extraordinary historical event. Be gentle with us as we remember that our story has context. Our story surges with life. Christ has risen. Christ has risen indeed. We come ready to celebrate the extravagant welcome of a hero. Be gentle with us as we remember 
that the radical inclusivity of Jesus wasn't always welcome. Our story is an invitation to celebrate. Christ has risen. Christ has risen indeed. We come with resolve to celebrate the exceptional life of a saint. Be gentle with us as we remember that Jesus asked us to follow. Christ is risen. Let the, let the resurrection celebration begin. Christ has risen indeed. And here we had these people, 
who had lived and spent three years with Jesus in his ministry. And they knew what Jesus had done. They knew that he had told them that he was going to be crucified, that he was going to be uh, buried. They knew the story, and yet they didn't understand, they didn't believe. I, I'm amazed at how much I don't know about pandemic and about the situation with schools, with our stores, with all kinds of things. I, I know what I'm told, but there's still an element of what I don't know. And yet, you know, we have the Bible, these several thousand years later, we have accounts, we have the stories, we have a lot of things that have told to us, and sometimes we still don't know, but we have it in the Bible. I'm so glad that that morning, there were people who looked in the tomb. It was empty. They saw with their eyes, and they went. And then Jesus later appeared to some, and he said, I'm not a spirit, I'm not a ghost. Give me fish, I'll eat. You can read it in Luke and John. And he had breakfast with them. Then they had a lot to say. It's wonderful. It's so great that we have these accounts in the Bible. And I am so excited to know what's coming in the future. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because I can read. Because not only do we have a lot of talk amongst ourselves, but I know who holds the future, and I know who holds my hand. And through all the talk, and through all the, the, the interesting things that goes on, we can look through the Bible, we can read in his word, and we know what our future holds.
The scripture reading is from Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. The word of God for the people of God. So as I thought about this scripture and the other scriptures um, and what we're all in the midst of this pandemic, um, what came to my mind were a few parallels between those stories and what we're, we're going through. The four gospel accounts, uh, as you read them and hear them, are slightly different. They're not identical. They're different accounts, um, slight changes. Uh, but the main story is the same. As foretold, Jesus was crucified, died, buried, resurrected. And those are all in the accounts. Um, in our accounts, the same is true. We have different family members, different friends who are touched by this. Uh, some of us have to continue working. Some of us are doing our part in other ways, making do, helping. So we have different stories, but our main point is the same as well, and that we're all in this together. We're all trying to get through it. There's some uncertainty with all of us, and we're not quite sure where that is to lead. And thinking of this, another parallel is between the tomb and our current situation. What we grieve about today, we may think about differently tomorrow. Tears at the tomb turn to joyous celebration of the empty tomb with the resurrection of Jesus and the assurance of a place in heaven for us. And for us, when we look back, we will undoubtedly see how God helped us through this crisis, pulled us together, and provided people to go above and beyond in extraordinary ways. Lastly, another parallel is the Holy Spirit. He was sent to dwell in all believers, guiding us to help each other, love each other, and care for each other. This happened to the disciples as Jesus ascended into heaven. And if you don't believe me, you can go back and read the transformation of the disciples afterward. The Holy Spirit coming on them changed them forever. And that's what I hope for, for all of us as the Holy Spirit dwells in each of us. As we look to the future, when this crisis has ended, 
Let it shape our hearts and minds closer to Jesus. Let us continue helping, loving, and caring for one another as Jesus taught us. I pray that you will all stay safe and healthy and that you will be a light to others in the darkness. Amen.
arms of profound joy. Life also brings us time of paralyzing loss. I am always amazed that the human spirit can house simultaneously, side by side, moments of overwhelming joy and moments of overwhelming loss. And somehow we don't blow up in the process. In more than six decades of celebrating the resurrection of Jesus and of rehearsing the story, this is the first time I've had any way to understand how John describes the disciples. He says they were together with the doors locked for fear. That sounds like me this year. Doors locked, I'm inside, and I'm afraid. The disciples saw what happened to Jesus. They did not want that to happen to themselves. I see what is happening in New York, New Jersey, Detroit, to friends of mine, and I do not want to have that experience. And while the disciples were locked behind a door for fear, Jesus showed up in the room. He didn't come through the door, he just showed up. This year I have an increased understanding and gratitude that closed up in my house, afraid of getting sick if I leave, afraid of being in critical condition with a ventilator in the hospital and John not able to join me. Jesus shows up and he says to me, I am here, do not be afraid. What is it about his presence? After the angel who opened the tomb tells the women that Jesus is alive, Matthew says the women were full of joy and full of fear. Side by side. As they hurried to give the disciples the news, suddenly Jesus shows up on the path. And he says to them, do not be afraid. He didn't say, don't be afraid because everything's good out there now. He didn't say, don't be afraid, your life's going to be easy now. Everything's going back the way it was before. Everything hard is behind you. He didn't say that. He said, do not be afraid. It was the truth about himself that he offered, that he would always be with them. And he called them to action and he promised himself. In this life season of closed doors, of more need in our communities than some of us have ever seen with less resources, with friends of mine who are far away, 
and suffering, and I cannot go. Jesus comes behind my closed door like he comes behind your closed door. And he says, do not be afraid. I am alive. Go and tell. And I am with you every minute. This Easter season, I am asking God to give me a deeper understanding of what it means that he is with me and that I have the courage and the creativity and the faith to live into that truth of his abiding company and that that will result in a spilling over of joy because he is always coming to me and saying, do not be afraid. I am alive. Go and tell, and I will never leave you. Let us pray. Hosanna, giver of new life. We come before you this Easter morning, praising you with our alleluias, flowers, scripture, and music. We come to worship from our homes yet as one people in beauty and in truth because we have faith that Jesus Christ has risen. We have hope that his resurrection will enter into each one of our lives as together we pray, breathe new life into us, Lord. In the spirit of Jesus, we arrive at Easter Sunday ready to love one another. May fresh life burst among us like buds awakening to the spring. May shells of distrust, which keep us from loving, be broken so that new life can emerge. May ministries within our congregation and outside our doors spring up where fear had kept us apart from each other before COVID separated us. Now we understand the depth of just what a gift it is to have people daily in our lives. Bless us as we welcome, listen, and learn new ways to engage in serving you as a church. Bless all who are joining us in worship right now. In gratitude, we praise you for this church family and your grace working in us. Listen, God. Now hear our prayers of intercession this morning. Risen Christ, giver of health and salvation, we pray your protection and much needed supplies, both given to our hospital workers, doctors, nurses, support staff and administration. Risen Christ, our great physician, we pray for healing for all those currently suffering from the virus. We pray for those waiting for good test results. For risen Christ, eternal source of knowledge. We pray for wisdom for all those working steadfastly to find a cure in hospitals, laboratories, and research centers so that the vaccine may become available as soon as possible. Jesus Christ, our redeemer and friend, we pray your comfort be upon all of us who are lonely. We pray your peace 
be upon all of us who are experiencing depression, mental illness. We pray for those of us who are facing the worries that come with job loss. We pray for we who are grieving. Blanket your love over and around us, Lord. May we see your reflection in our own. For Jesus Christ, our Redeemer and friend, we pray for all those in positions of power and authority in our government. We pray for all those in leadership positions in every sector of every hometown around the world. Jesus Christ, our Redeemer and friend, we give you thanks for all those daily serving through this pandemic, first responders, military, countless volunteers, and every one of their families who support them. Jesus, you are our Lord. Thank you for reminding us this morning that you are the Lord of life. You have come to give us hope and courage. We sit in your presence now in this place. Perhaps we started this day like Mary, expecting to find you among the tombs and grave clothes of our world. But you are alive. Sin cannot hold you. Death cannot bind you. You meet us in the garden of new life, then send us running to share the good news of the gospel to the very ends of the earth. You have risen indeed. We have seen you and we believe. Feed our souls as we in one voice and in true communion say the prayer of your son praying. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Because he lives 
fullness of time, Christ came triumphant, that we might have new life, life abundant, given through the grace of God. In thanks, let us return the Lord's offering with our own.
us pray. Glorious God, we rejoice in Jesus' victory over death. You raised him up to live forever. Robed in white, Christ leads us from darkness to light. We dedicate these offerings as tokens of the breaking dawn of Christ. As Jesus was offered in obedience to you, O God, so we offer ourselves and our gifts to be used in your service. As you took Jesus' sacrifice and filled it with your life and power, so use our gifts to transform our lives, that we may be a living presence of your reign on earth, now and always. Amen. I'm going to read to you from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, and it's verses 11 through 18. And it's that story where Mary comes to the garden to take care of Jesus' body and to find he's not there. And as she sits quietly crying, he approaches her. Listen to God's word for you. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she knelt to look into the tomb and saw two angels sitting there dressed in white one at the head and the other at the foot of where Jesus' body had been laid. They said to her, Woman, why do you weep? They took my master, she said, and I don't know where they put him. After she said this, she turned away and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't recognize him. Jesus spoke to her, Woman, why do you weep? Who are you looking for? She, thinking he was the gardener, said, Sir, if you took him, tell me where you put him so I can care for him. And then Jesus said, Mary. Turning to face him, she said in Hebrew, Rabboni, meaning teacher. Jesus said, Don't cling to me. For I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go to my brothers and tell them, I ascend to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went, telling the news to the disciples, I saw the Master. And she told them everything he said to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I come to you from the corner of the choir loft. It's one of the places I actually come to make phone calls to members of the church. It's a great place to lay down and look up at the stained glass through the light coming through the windows. And it dawned on me that it's kind of an intimate place where I come to pray with Jesus. I love this story of Mary. It's always shocking to think at first for one who traveled with Jesus for years, how could she go to the garden that morning and not recognize him at first? And that question that keeps coming, who do you seek? Well, in order to know a little bit more about how Mary got to you know, sit weeping in that garden, there's a backstory. For truly, we all have our own stories. And for Mary... She was living in the seaport of Magdala, and it was a fishing town. And unlike 
Most women in her day, she was a successful businesswoman in the fishing industry. But how relatable is it that there was something within her, even though success looked like to everyone around her, that she had embodied success, she had achieved, yet inside, Scripture tells us, that she was plagued by seven demons. We don't know what those seven demons were, but I could imagine that we could put ourselves in her place today. And perhaps her demons are some of ours, especially in a time that we're going through now. Perhaps there was a demon of worry or anxiety or sadness. Perhaps there were other demons of adversity that were plaguing her. You know, the world thought she was so full, that her life was so great, measured by success and money, and yet inside she came up empty. She found herself lacking. And she heard about Jesus, this carpenter rabbi, and Jesus often came to the sea. And can you imagine what it must have been like to have first approached him wonder what parable or teaching he was giving. I'd like to imagine that it was that moment when he talked about not fishing for fish, but fishing for people. And how relatable would that be to her? How eye-opening. And so when she encountered Jesus, he changed everything for her. It says he cast out those seven demons those demons that were filling up the life that was her cup. And then she found that in pouring out that cup with his strength, all that was filling her with negativity, hopelessness, and distress had been poured out. And then she spent the next few years following him and listening to him, finding her cup full. And it's amazing, too, how faithful she was. As we reach the week of passion, we know that she was there in Jerusalem. She'd been there when he came through the city gates with the parade. She'd been in the crowd with the trial, was probably shocked like all the others who followed Jesus, wondering why wouldn't they free Jesus, not Barabbas? She stood in crowds of one day yelling, Hosanna to the highest, and in a crowd that yelled, Crucify him. And she would not leave him. She was there in the crowd as he picked up his cross and carried it. She was there when they nailed him to it. She was there, her feet firmly planted, no doubt unable to go anywhere else, looking up at him on the cross watching him suffer, and she stood faithfully. Can you imagine? She'd seen it all. She'd seen his body come down from the cross, laid across his mother's lap. She was there. So when we fast forward to the morning of the resurrection, of course, where would she go? But towards the tomb, among the cemetery, and so perhaps it isn't all that shocking now, given that light of her story, to realize that when we all go to cemeteries, we expect to see tombstones. 
We expect to encounter death. And yet when Mary went that morning, she found out that Jesus was alive. I'm sure after that day, she probably thought back on it and thought, how could I have mistaken Jesus for the gardener? And yet I love that story. She wasn't looking for Jesus to be alive. She had still been carrying the weight of his death. And so when she goes and she sees that his body is missing, I wonder if it was sadness or it was anger that hit her first. I'm sure she was ready to round up the other women. She asked too, right, where have you taken his body? I could just picture her leading them to Jesus and picking him up somehow and carrying him back to the tomb. And yet Jesus wasn't there at all. So as now we reach the point of John, she sits quietly crying. And it's Jesus who asks her why she's weeping. No doubt he'd asked her that before, because that was like Jesus, to tend to people's needs right there in every moment. And he asks her why she's crying. And she says, they've taken my Lord away. And then he says, whom do you seek? And all of a sudden, it was when he spoke her name, Mary, that she recognized him. It must have been such a personal moment, that familiar voice she longed to hear that she had missed so much just in that three-day span. That familiarity that they had, their good friendship, her savior, the one who'd saved her years before. And there he was, from weeping to joy she went. How amazing that it was her, her, of all people, of all the disciples, of all those he'd encountered for three years, it was her whom he chose to go tell the disciples that he had risen. Oh my goodness, how amazing and incredible is that? I like to think about her in that garden, smiling from ear to ear, no doubt in awe at first, and then so relieved that when he talked about life and the kingdom of God being present, that indeed it still was, that he lived up to his promise, that he would always be with her, that he would rise again. And then he entrusted her, just like he entrusts each one of us with the story of his good news. His ministry continued that day, continues still. So perhaps the question he asked Mary is the question we should all ask ourselves today, even in the midst of this pandemic. Whom do we seek? What demons do we need to have poured out with the help of Jesus so that we can be tipped up bright, so our cups can be full, full of forgiveness, full of new life, full of joy that no circumstance can ever take away? Jesus came to give us life, abundant life, and death will never be the last word for us because of him. Indeed, Christ is risen, and not just for those who were in the day with him experiencing it, 
not for those and all the generations who came before us, but right now, right here, for you. Jesus came and lived, and Jesus came and died so that Jesus could rise again and give us gifts of eternal life and life abundant both here and in the life everlasting. For Jesus Christ has come to you this day, and with joy and thanksgiving, he shares his great love for you. Seek him and know that you have found your true cup's desire, your life's meaning in his love and following him. May God be with you this Easter morning, and may you find rest in his presence and joy and hope and courage. For you belong to him, and he with you. Alleluia. Amen.
your life can be full. So go into every place and every day as people brimming with the love of God. Be grateful in spirit, hopeful in word, faithful in deed. Live for the risen Christ as Christ lives in you.